Leaders are made, they are not born. They are made by hard effort, which is the price which all of us must pay to achieve any goal that is worthwhile. That's a quote by the legendary football coach, Vince Lombardi. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. So excited you're here today. Let's go. This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and we are incredibly honored that uh, you are here today. You have found this space, and for those of you who have made this a regular part of your week, uh, welcome back. We consider it the honor of a lifetime to have a voice into your life and into your ministry. Of course, the Leading Second podcast releases every Thursday morning, and I think our goal is just to bring conversations regularly uh, that will help you as a leader attempting to be uncommon as you serve uh, someone else's vision. Of course, uh, the the mission statement of Leading Second is to equip uncommon church builders. So anyway, so glad you're here today. Uh, welcome to this space. Well, as we do with every episode of the podcast, our first segment is crowdsourced. And today we have a great uh, two-minute challenge coming to you from another Leading Second leader. So let's hear what's on the mind and in the heart of another one of the Leading Second tribe members. My name is Jonathan Yaden. I'm on the team at Champion Center in Tacoma, Washington, and this is my two-minute challenge. I want to start with a question. What conversation have you been wanting to have, but you have been avoiding? Come to learn that one of the most dangerous things that a leader can be is passive and avoiding the things they know they need to confront. There was a season when I was a youth pastor where there were some things that I needed to bring to the surface and talk about, but I chose not to. And me avoiding these things resulted in undercurrents on our team, me losing credibility, my team not trusting me to handle hard things, and the standard of our ministry got lowered to the level of what I was allowing on our team. And the list could go on and on. And my unwillingness to have the conversation with this person because I quote unquote needed them on the team, it actually put a lid on our entire ministry. Galatians Uh, Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so you are not tempted as well. I love the verbiage. You who are spiritual are to restore. There is a commandment there. To restore means that something has an original design. See, when we confront an issue as a leader, it could be confronting a person, an attitude, some undercurrents on our team, We're choosing to restore those things back to their original design. I would say to you, be more concerned about people's future than you are their temporary feelings. Because one confrontation can change everything on your team, in your family, and in your life. After some time, I finally had the conversation that I know I needed to have. And can I tell you that everything changed. Our team started to grow The ministry was healthy and God began to bless it in a new way that he was not able to before. 
See, it's not always going to be big things all the time that we need to confront, but oftentimes it's the small things. It's the side comments, the attitudes, the rolling of the eyes, the being late. The small foxes that spoil the vine can stop and stunt our growth. I want to tell you, keep your standard high. And I'm going to end how I started. What conversation do you need to have right now that you have been avoiding? My name is Jonathan Yaden, and this is my two-minute challenge. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer here on the podcast, or if you'd like to hear your I Am Leading Second story featured on an upcoming episode, why don't you reach out to us at leadingsecond at churchforward.co or um, contact us on leadingsecond.com or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. Uh, We would love to feature you and your story and your question on an upcoming episode. Well, for today's episode, I am excited and honored uh, to share with you an interview I recently had with Tim Timberlake. Tim, along with his wife, Jennifer, pastor Christian Faith Center in Creedmoor, North Carolina. Tim's a new friend into our world and into the world of leading second, but I just immediately fell in love with his voice, his strength, and his leadership. Tim speaks regularly to church leaders, particularly through the ARC network, as well as um, other other tribes, other areas. He also works with professional teams, and I think you're going to love his perspective. Uh, when I talked with Tim, we had a wide-ranging conversation on team, on leadership, and on stepping into the call of God for your life. I believe it's going to help you. I believe it's going to speak to you. So without further ado today, here is my conversation with Tim Timberlake. Well, Tim, it's good to have you on the podcast with us today. Uh, Say what's up to everybody. What's going on, everybody? It's an honor, uh, Brendan, to be on the Leading Second podcast with you, man. And we have a lot of fun today, bro. Hey, thanks so much for for your time. I'm so glad to meet a new friend today. And um, just excited to have you in our world. Thank you for um, all you're doing for your city. You you pastor a great church in uh, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, in the big city of Creedmoor, North Carolina. I'm sure <laughs> our listeners have heard of it before. It's yes. a metropolitan city right outside of Raleigh, Durham, with a total population of about 4,000 people. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. That's 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 incredible. That's incredible. I was actually going to have you start today by telling us a little bit, a little bit about you and your your story. Uh, you've been pastoring um, for for actually quite a while since you were twenty. Yeah, so I, I got um, into senior leadership at twenty years old. Um, my parents started the church. Me and my wife now pastor um, in the seventies, and quickly grew it to. Um, at the time, the largest church in North Carolina, about 11,000 people Wow! Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And mm. in 1997, my dad was diagnosed with terminal throat cancer. I'm sorry. And was given about three weeks to live. And they gave him the option to get an experimental uh, surgery. And so he opted for that. They gave the survival rate of that experimental surgery about 15 to 25 percent. And he ended up surviving the surgery. But in the midst of um, having the surgery, they had to take a quarter of his tongue 
And so although they removed the mask, which was about the size of a chipmunk, they uh, took his ability to swallow, um, eat or drink through his mouth. And so for the remainder of his life, which was about five years, he was fed through a G-tube and it just took every ounce of energy uh, just to continue to fight for life and to hang on. Um, but somehow, some way, he continued uh, to still teach when he had strength and energy too, and and uh, continued to serve people up until his last breath. And he ended up transitioning from this life to the next um, in January twenty eighth, two thousand two, the day after my eighteenth birthday. Wow! And um, I ended up leaving college in Hampton, Virginia, and transferring to Bible College. Uh, filling the call golem on my life and finished Bible college early and moved back to North Carolina and stepped in as the leader here at 20 and and tried my best to steward the calling uh, with character and integrity and somehow, some way God has remained faithful. 15 years later, church is still standing. People are still coming. Lives are still being changed. And so all in all, I'm grateful for what God has done um, through one yes, man. That's that's awesome. That's inspiring. And um, I guess an, an amazing setup, you know, by your parents to to build on, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. Definitely. Either either inspiring or incredibly ignorant. I, I still <laughs> wrestle with which one it is, but but I'm grateful that God can and has used uh, some ignorant moments in my life, man, to get glory out of it for sure. That is, that is awesome. That is awesome. Now, what do you spend, what do you spend a lot of your time doing? Of course you, you pastor and lead a great church, uh, but you're also active, uh, with leaders and with teams and whatnot. Yeah. I love developing leaders. I believe that culture is defined by the conversation of leadership. And so I believe what we see, what we hear, um, our future is determined by um, how we are developing, training, inspiring leaders. And, um, you know, so that's what I love doing. I, I, I prefer uh, talking to leaders above every other audience, because if you can get in a room full of leaders, then you can talk to whole countries. You can talk to whole continents. You can talk to whole, whole spheres and, and, and just really change the temperature of what we see. And so I love developing training, talking to, uh, leaders, man. I love it. Me too. Me too. I I figure it's the greatest investment we can make. I mean, where where a leader goes, uh, the entire church will go. And I I think in my world, that's probably the biggest honor is a room full of staff or a room full of leaders, because I, I just figure our impact from that moment is so magnified. Let's talk for a minute about you work with a lot of teams, you, you, you know, church teams, church planters, even professional teams, sports teams. Um, I guess let me just start with a really big question. What do you see as being one of the markers of a great team? Like what what does what does really set apart a great team? I think what determines a great team really, man, is four things. Um the first one being the right vision. I think that um, a visionary can have a desire in their heart to see something great. But if that 
desire is not related in an applicable vision, then the team can't run with it. It's so good. And so in Habakkuk chapter two, verse two, you know, one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible is write the vision, make it plain so that when um, the people see it, they can run with it. Well, broken down, um, I, I like to just make it super simple and that's write it, read it and run it. And so um, if the vision isn't written, people can't read it. If they can't read it, then they can't run it. And sometimes one of the biggest frustrations for senior le- leadership is we want people to come with us on the journey, but we have not done a sufficient job in relaying uh, the vision to them to grab a hold of. And so um, as people see the senior leaders, uh, what is to me more important is who's upholding the senior leaders' hands. And so that's why I think this podcast, Leading Second, is so important for our culture and so important for um, this particular um, season, because oftentimes we we train and we uh, prepare the people uh, that may be casting the vision, but I have found that we do a very poor job of resourcing, training, and preparing those that actually have to run with it. Man, so, and so, so true. And so, you know, just number one would be um, the right vision. Um, number two, I would say, would definitely be the right strategy or the right system, the right structure to uh, build around the vision. And so if you have a great vision, but you don't have the right infrastructure to carry it, um, it won't sustain itself. That's right. And so, uh, you know, the best example for me to use would be if you have a stream and it's drinkable water and it's life sustaining water, but if you don't have a retainer or you don't have a a vessel to capture it in, no matter how great the water is, you won't be able to carry it from point A to point B. And so we, we kind of see this in some leadership capacities today. You have an incredible leader, an incredible communicator, an incredible visionary, but they have not equipped their team um, with the right structure to carry it. And so yes. it ends up becoming uh, a personality driven vision versus um, equipping the um, organization or the team or the church with the necessary tools to carry it out and to develop new leadership for the vision that has been implemented. And so one of the things that we've kind of discussed offline is for me, I would rather develop leadership versus duplicating leadership. So on my team, I don't need someone, I don't need someone to do what I'm capable of doing. I need someone to do what I don't have the capacity to do. And so as um, the person sitting to my right and sitting to my left, um, you know, I'm not bringing them on to necessarily do what I'm capable of doing. I need them to be able to see my blind spots. I need them to be able to see the areas that I'm weak in. And I have to do um, a great job at communicating. These are my weaknesses. These are my strengths. And empowering them to run in the strengths that God has given them so that we can be 
a complete team. And so a lot of times, one of the biggest errors that I've seen in senior leadership is they tend to build their team of duplicates. Mm. And so it's, it's a team that's great of strong communicators because they're a strong communicator. And it's a team full of great administrators because they're great administrators. It's a team of great and um, empowering um, in one particular lane because that's their strong suit rather than bringing on people who have the strengths where they are weak. And so when we see a, a great basketball or football team, it's comprised of uh, people who fulfill different roles, different that's positions. Right. And that's what um, allows us to carry the ball from point A to point B. And so developing the right system uh, for that vision. Um, the third thing that I would say is super important is just the right recruiting methods. So as a, as a leader, we can never stop recruiting and developing leaders. Yes. And amen. And so oftentimes we are looking for the right leader to add to our team. But one of the things that I've learned is you will never find the right leader for your team. You have to develop them. And, you yep, know, if yep. they are, if they, if they are the right leader for your team, someone else has developed them. Yes. And <laughs> so, so <laughs> right. And so, and so it, it's never a, a situation where that person is already um, kind of out there and existing unless someone has spent time and seasons pouring into investing, raising them up and, and really um, training them to be a great leader. And so I would say um, recruiting, training and developing leaders is, is vital, man. It's super, super vital. Um, and then the fourth thing that I would say in, you know, what creates a good culture and, and a great organization is um, the right heart. You know, making sure that the people around you um, have the right heart. And so one of the things that I utilize here is language. No one works for me. Everyone works alongside of me. Um, and we all work to serve the vision that God has given the house and carrying that out to see it come to pass. And, um, you know, I think when the heart and the motive behind the leader is pure and it's right, um, People don't mind holding that vision up and running with it as far and as long as they possibly can. Yeah, I think that, first of all, what you just said is worth the entire conversation. That was so good. I hope everyone listening, like, pauses, rewinds, listens to that, like, 500 times. That was, it was so well said. So I love how you lead. I love how you just said, you know, you, you, your team is leading alongside you. And they're leading with you. In fact, you actually ask them to see your blind spots. You know, it's just an opportunity for them to lead on your behalf. And I, I love that kind of team sense on a team. But let's talk about the real and the raw here for a second. What should a second chair leader do when they do see their pastor's blind spot or weakness? You know, that, that that's not always easy to navigate when you see the, sure. chinks, the chinks in the armor. You know, of, of this, this man or woman that you serve and you respect so highly, you know, what, what should a leader do in that moment? Yeah, I, I think that 
um, depending on what it is, that leader has to be proactive. The reason that they are a part of this team and a part of this organization is because they have strong points and they have um, attributes and characteristics that are needed and that are vital. Um, I do not think that it is um, the people that serve alongside the senior leader that it's their job to correct or be confrontational. Yes. Um, I do think it is the responsibility to um, bring to the table areas that um, the organization as a whole could improve and what they could yes. provide as an area of strength, not necessarily to correct or, um, you know, poke the fire per se on on the pastor or the senior leader and, and kind of use um, their strengths as a talking point against the pastor, which I, I have seen a number of times in different organizations or, or churches just coming in and, and kind of being uh, a neutral voice of reason. Uh, you have a person that is leading from the second position and they feel like their strengths are stronger than the strengths of the senior leader. And that's the person that you have to extract from your team because they are a dangerous person. Yes. And, and I feel like you, you, man, I think you just worded it so perfect. Um, talking points, because I feel like most of the time we're not talking outright rebellion. Most of the time we're just talking about whispers and comments like, ugh, or eye rolls. Oh, I, I can't stand when he does that. Or, you know, what, what have you. Noah, Noah was drunk in a tent one day mm -hmm. and Noah shouldn't have been drunk. Like that was wrong. That was, that was a weakness of Noah. He should, shouldn't have been doing that. And he had a couple sons who reacted to this one, covered him and one exposed him. Mm -hmm. And I guess we can let people read for themselves what happened to each of those sons. Um, because the one who covered him, you know, it, it's just interesting to me how God sees these issues when we do get to smack into our leaders imperfections and our responses, even whispers, comments, talking points, it all, they all matter in those moments. Absolutely. And I think it's uh, important to understand the humanity of your leader and understand that they're not perfect and understand that they are pursuing Jesus um, just as um, you are. And so I think that we have to trust um, from a leadership perspective that they are doing everything that they can uh, to lead people towards Jesus Christ. That's that's just from um, a vision, structure, um, organization um, perspective. If it's something morally, that's a completely different conversation. Of course. And I have to trust that um, the leadership has an accountability structure that would uh, uphold the standards and um, bylaws of that particular organization or church. But if, if we're just talking about uh, vision things, creative things, uh, moving the organization forward, I think it's the um, second tier leadership's job to support the vision and yes. what their strong suits and what their um, expertise, if you would have it, uh, just be the support beams that uphold the vision of the pastor. I think one of the greatest things my pastor has done um, I've been on the team, I mean, as long as I can remember, all my adult life. And um, one of the great things my pastor has done 
has been to give me a vision that was big enough to lose my life in. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I will, I will preach alignment to our leaders, you know, all day long. Uh, but at the end of the day, he gave us something bigger than, than even that to, he gave me, he gave me a vision I could die for and mm-hmm. something I could, I think that's what every young leader out there is truly looking for is the thing to live for that's worth dying for, you know, the vision that's that big. Um, what has it meant to you over the years um, when you've called your team high to dig deep, serve big, go all in, and, and they've done that? Just talk to us from a lead pastor perspective, because you're talking to a whole bunch of second chair leaders here. Talk to us from a lead pastor's heart. What has it meant to you when your team digs deep, goes all in and grabs a hold of your vision, you know, at, at a really deep and really high level? Yeah, I, I mean, it's an indicator to me um, that the vision has been clarified and has been broken down to a level um, that they can understand it and get behind it. And so um, when we do a great job at investing into our leaders, we won't have a problem with drawing excellence out of them. Mm. And so sometimes we we desire to make a withdrawal of excellence, but we have not um, made the necessary investment into their lives to draw from. And so one of the things that my my dad would always tell me and, and really just lived out in front of me um, as it concerns leaders, many things may draw them, but it's love that keeps them. Mm. And so just making sure we do a great job of loving on our leaders and and making sure that our uh, expectations uh, meet their realities. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Brent, it, it's not what happens to us that disappoint us. It's what we expect it to right. happen that right. disappoint us. And so when our expectations align with reality, I think we can pull the best out of the leaders that serve alongside of us. So good. So good. What, what does honor mean to you? You know, when it comes to your team, what does honor mean? Uh, Honor is, uh, number one, dedicating your life to serving God and serving people. Um, and then carrying out the vision, uh, that God has given us to provide, um, a life giving environment for people that may come. And so if, if we can do that, um, as leaders, and if we can do that as people that desire to see people meet Jesus, I think uh, for us and what we do, that defines honor. It's not uh, in how well you serve me per se, but the way that you serve uh, me is to serve God with all your heart and to serve people uh, and to carry out and run with the vision that God has given the house with excellence, um, with uh, godly authority, with boldness. Um, and with joy. Um, and so if we can do that, uh, I think that's what honor is um, for us at CFC anyway. I, I can't speak for other uh, senior leaders, but I, I know um, that's how I look at honor. And I can always um, tell where a leader is by the conversations that they're having. Mm. And so a, a great gauge for me And if a person is spending adequate time as a leader with God is by the conversations that they're having. And so uh, honor 
um, what look like them serving um, God, serving people, and and then carrying out the vision that God has given for the house. Wow. Wow. Very well said. So we've been talking for a few minutes about the team. Let's talk about the individual. Let's talk about an individual leader driving in their car or, you know, sitting in their office right now listening to this. Um, I, I've, I'd be curious to get your perspective on this. Um, we had a question come in recently that I've not been able to shake. It's, it's, where, it's a question where someone said, how do I establish my authority as a leader? <laughs> and I, I, I've, I've actually been kind of wrestling with this. And the, I, I answered it actually on a previous episode of the podcast. I'd just be curious to get your perspective. Because in, in my opinion, first of all, God establishes authority, not us. Yeah. You know, Romans 13 and 1 says all authority is established by God. So, you know, uh, I truly believe we don't need more talented leaders in the body of Christ. We need more anointed leaders. For and, sure. And we need we need leaders that that carry spiritual authority and carry and, and walk in the anointing that God has, has placed on their life. Um, but yet that is God's job to raise up and anoint leaders. And so I, I feel, I feel every pastor is well served by a team around them that is walking in their own authority while they're still aligned, you know, with the bigger vision of the house. So I guess you, you've worked with a lot of leaders over the course of years, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. What, what has the process, or what does the process look like of just growing up spiritually and stepping into your own anointing as a leader while doing it aligned, you know, with the bigger house that you're a part of? What does, what does that look like? Yeah. So with that question, and a lot of times, particularly with young leaders, when they ask that question, what they mean is how can I get people to follow me? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Right. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that I have found and one of the things that I have really taken notice of, particularly in my life if you feed me, I'll follow you. Wow. And so when we look at the model of Jesus in the Bible, the disciples followed Jesus because he fed them. He, he brought to life, he awakened something that was dormant, something that was sleep on the inside of them called vision. And when he began to speak to the vision in their life, they had no problem following them. It's just like I, I had a small, small dog, Brendan, and and every so often uh, I would leave crumbs on our floor and he would follow the crumbs. And yep. then those crumbs would eventually lead him to me. Yep. And for the rest of the day, my yep. little dog named Bandit would follow me. Well, the reason <laughs> he was following me is because I was feeding him. The disconnect that I found with leaders is they want people to follow them, but they don't want to obligate time or discipline to feed the people that they desire to follow them. Mm. And so you cannot assert authority where you have not provided uh, food spiritually to feed them. And so I I would say that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Um, If you feed people, they don't have a problem in following you. You know, if you take it from just just uh, a physical principle, someone that is in need, you give them food, they'll listen to you. <laughs> you yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. So they, they, they will they will take time to listen to you if you provide them with the meal. And so it's the same thing 
as far as a spiritual principle. If you feed someone spiritually, if you pour into what God is doing, if you invest your life into theirs, they don't have a problem following you. So much wisdom. I love it. Let's let's talk then about this. So you have a young leader out there listening to this. Okay, I'm going to feed people. I'm going to walk in the authority God has given me. But it also matters what we're connecting people to. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're not careful in the second chair, we can end up connecting people to ourselves mm-hmm. rather than connecting people to rather than connecting people to the bigger house and to the bigger vision that we're part of and, and, and to our pastors. So let's talk about that. How can a leader do this um, and, and walk in the authority God's given them, um, but still connect them to the house and not connect them to themselves? Because I just see that as being one of the biggest dangers of this conversation. And, and you are not served well as a senior pastor by, by someone on your team that's just connected their whole area to them. Because if they get funky, the whole area gets funky. And if they leave, the whole area leaves. You know, or I guess just maybe talk about that for a second if you can. Yeah, I think motive and intentions are huge factors into leadership. And while we do it, we do. And so I think um, you know why you lead. And I can't speak for everyone, but knowing the trends of leadership, you understand what it is that you want to accomplish by leading. And so um, if you are serving the vision of someone else, you have to make sure that you are always a reflection of that leadership and not the producer of your own leadership. Mm. And, you know, as, as a senior leader, I have to be aware of the people um, on my team. Jesus was always, always aware that there was Judas on his team, right? Right. But, right. but Jesus still poured into, still developed, still trained him to be a leader because we always are given choices. Wow. And so, um, but he always, always, and, and he understood that there was also Peter. So Peter denied Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus. We have to be able to determine those that deny us and those that betray us. Mm. We, we forgive Peter and we release Judas's. Wow. Right. And so as a person that is served in, um, the leadership capacity where I have served the vision of my parents and my mother in particular, I have to always point people to, um, her heart, her vision, um, and what God desires to do through what he's called her to do and not take on, um, the mindset that people should be following me. Even if my ideas may be better, even if I'm more gifted, even if what I feel uh, could push this organization to the next level, you can absolutely have all the right answers. But if you have the wrong timing, it still won't succeed. And so a person in the position where they're serving someone else, you just have to remember honor. You have to remember reverence. You have to remember um, why you do what you do. And it's not to promote yourself. It's to push forward the gospel of Jesus Christ to the vision of your senior leader. Let me ask you to do this really fast. This is, this is a broad question, but I just want to give you, I guess, some lane here for a second. Um, so I want you to talk directly for a second to the person who's 
who's listening to this today, who is locked in with their team. They want to get it right for their pastor. You know, they, 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 they truly want to align. Maybe they're just struggling in some way or they're bumping their head in some way. Uh, but they, they faithfully want to serve their pastor. I guess just like minister for a second, what would you say directly into the heart and soul of that leader who's listening today? If you were having coffee with them, what would you say to them? Yeah, if, if you're listening and you know you are in that season of your life, just continue to, number one, pray for clarity. Um, I think as leaders, we don't pray enough. I think that we rely too much on our gifts and our talents rather than um, the voice of God. Yes. And we spend so much time um, modeling our leadership methods off of what we see other leaders do rather than leaning into the voice of God to uh, craft us, to make us, to mold us into the leader that he desires for us to be. And so, you know, the biggest thing I would say is just spend more time praying um, spend more time asking your leader questions because we grow by the questions that we ask. Um, and if you continue um, to hit your head on the wall, if you continue to miss it, if you continue to get it wrong, um, then spend more time with your leader so that you can find out their heart and find out the reason behind uh, why they desire to see the things that they are asking you to fulfill and just try your best to do it. I love your voice. I love, um, I love your clarity. Um, I love, I love your strength and I, I appreciate everything you've said here today. Um, just having to do with teams, having to do with, with leaders. Let me ask you one final question. I love to hear every, um, everyone we talk to, I guess on this answer, this as a final question. So Here's my last question for you. Really big. Why do you love the local church? I mean, just just bleed for a second. What 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 gets you up every day to serve the church and serve leaders like you do? Yeah. So my passion for the local church is I believe the local church is the hope for our world. You know, I believe that we have an opportunity. Um, to make a difference um, in our communities because of the local church. I, I truly believe that it's not the government that will bring about change. Yes. I truly believe that it is not um, our police, our firemen that will bring about change. I believe that it is the local church that will bring about change. And when we um, can do our best to promote the gospel in our communities through the local church and the local body and serve our communities and point our communities to Jesus. I think once we get uh, a group of local churches in various communities that understand that, that we change the temperature of countries, we change the temperature of regions, we change the temperature of continents, all because of one conduit, uh, the local church. And so that's why I would spend the rest of my life serving the local church and building God's people through a local body and, um, you know, doing it, uh, to the best of my ability with the people that God sends, um, here to serve alongside. That's awesome. What are you believing for God to do next in, in your church and in your local body there? Yeah. So one of the things that we are praying for is that God would continue to just make us generational. 
So I believe the gospel works for all generations. And one of the things that I don't want to happen um, is that the church grows older with me. I I want us to continue to grow younger, although in age uh, we may hit a number. I pray the spirit of our church is always young. I pray that we remain uh, youthful at heart, but wise in in the things of God. And and uh, I pray that we would continue to grow diverse. And so I believe that the gospel is for all people. Yes. And I believe that presented the right way, it can impact and change um, the listener's life, no matter what their background um, is. And so that's our prayer. That's my desire to see our local church be a reflection of heaven and experience heaven here on earth. I love it. So well said, and and we can land the plane for today. But thanks so much, Tim, for your voice for a few minutes today on our podcast. I so respect you. Love what God's doing in your church. Looking forward to getting to know you more in the future. Thanks for being a new friend in our world. Oh, man, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I pray that something we have said today would empower, assist, and help leaders across the world. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. If this podcast has resonated with you, I would encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. Click the subscribe button, plan to join us every Thursday morning when these episodes release. Also consider sharing it with someone in your world who may not know about it. We just believe that um, these conversations will help you and your team get it right as we serve vision bigger than ourselves. Also, if you want to bring Leading Second teaching to your church, I'd encourage you to go to leadingsecond.com and check out our online course on our resources page. Uh, We have a free video-based resource uh, available to you and your team to use to just walk you through what it means to be a leader in the second chair and really thrive for your pastor. So Leading Second, we love you. We're praying for you. We're walking with you. We're doing ministry with you. Um, So thankful to have a voice into your life every week. Until next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.